High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. It's time for the Hook Health Checkup with Dr. Kerry Kelly. Dr. Kelly, welcome to the programme. Thank you, George. Can I start with a problem? Please, I have. Please do. No, it's really interesting. And, and this is why actually it's relevant to our discussion. Over the last number of weeks, in fact, you could almost say number of months, it's amazing how many people have been ringing up saying they're itching. Isn't that true? Yeah, we get and a lot. And you've been talking about changing your soap in the yep. shower. and Moisturisers, yeah. fungal infections, topical Lo, steroids. what has happened to me? Are you itching? Everywhere. Really? Almost like as if I had flea bites, almost like I have let... Is but, all of your skin itchy? All of my body. That's a really interesting thing. And I'm glad you brought it up. And, and, and I didn't know you were going to, but luckily I, I know what to do. Um, here's the thing. A lot of people who are older, and I mean, by older, I mean anything over about 65. Like yeah. Their skin gets dry. Ingrid said that. Yeah. And she's exactly right. And it has a horrible name, which is senile pruritus. So it basically means oh. the itch. I know. It's an awful name, isn't it? You know how to senile, all senile means is older. It doesn't mean you're actually, people used to senile, use it as yeah. a substitution okay, for dementia. Right. But as your skin gets older and loses elasticity and all that kind of stuff, it can become really itching. And I have lots of patients from about 60, 65 who are tearing at their arms and their chests and their shins. Yeah. Now, it is all the good stuff you just mentioned. You shouldn't use soap. OK, don't use any soap. You should wash in the shower with something like, you know, E45 or Aveeno or one of those moisturising types. Okay. Not, with no disrespect to them, but not things like Dove or Simple because they are actually still kind of cosmetic. All right, okay. but, but stuff that E45. is suitable for eczema, if you like. You do need to start using moisturisers and I know you're a great believer in Nivea, George. But hold on well now. I have Nivea. But, but do you, how do I reach my shoulder blades? I've got a ferocious itch on my shoulder blades. So, yeah, that's difficult. I mean, you can't moisturise well, your well, entire body. Well, a lot, a lot of people do moisturise their entire body. Yeah, but they have, their wives are prepared to do it. Well, this is what I was going to say. Maybe <laughs> you need to call upon the lovely Ingrid to help you out here. I could put an ad. I oh, got God. It. I could put an ad in Super Value. Wanted somebody to moisturise she hooks body. Oh, stop, stop! Any listeners willing to super to uh, moisturize George's entire body? Oh, Lord. Uh, I'm so sorry, people. But also antihistamines, George. An antihistamine will help with the itch because the problem is, is a tablet like yeah, and they're over the counter. Cetirizine is probably the easiest one to take. But here's the thing: anybody who is itchy tends to scratch, and what happens yeah. when you scratch is you release from your from your skin cells things called uh, mediators called histamine which is what you take antihistamines for but what happens is the more you scratch the more histamine you release the more itchy you oh, get yeah. the more you scratch the more histamine you release and how you break that is two things one is you take antihistamines but two is don't scratch scratching perpetuates what's but called but your scratch. scratching is the only the, no, the only good part no it perpetuates the scratch itch cycle I mean, last you can't night, do it do you know where I got it last night which raises another question from a listener I got it just around my belly button kind of right across there okay. do you know where like say your your trousers or underwear would kind of settle the elasticity bar I was scratching like crazy but I've cracked okay. how do you scratch your shoulder blade I have the, no, I have the, well, it's the kind of thing, I have these old person uh, shoe things oh, and I have yeah. a long one. And a shoehorn thing. Yeah, but I scratch my back with that. All right. Anyway, speaking of that, a fella says, 
George, what is the blue stuff that I find in my belly button? I have to say, I did laugh. Do you want to take that question? Absolutely stop wearing blue underwear. Yeah, it's lint, love. It's lint. <laughs> it's off your trousers or your underpants or your T-shirt or whatever it is. I tell you, we have the a body, high... The body does not produce blue lint. It doesn't. That's right. We have a high level of Egypt listening to this programme. <laughs> not however, to insult them or anything, no, George. No, no, no. Oh, God, heaven forbid. As a female 55, runny nose, sinus, it's very painful, she also has a cough. Dan has uh, been trying to shake a head cold for a week or two. Now he seemed to have a sinus type pain. This is another one now. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. question two. Well, we're coming into the season for this, you see. But the question is, should I see my GP and spend a fortune or let it run its course? Dave, spend a fortune was my addition, not the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you have an upper respiratory tract infection... Oh, yeah, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I'll come to your okay. question in a minute. If you have an upper respiratory tract infection, yes, a lot of them are viral and are self-limiting. So let's just... Pres- and so therefore don't need antibiotics and therefore don't really need a prescription. If you are in that category, what should you do? Okay, and we are coming into the season for this. We're going to be inundated with sinusitis and allergic rhinitis and all. What you should do is this, is you should, first of all, in this nice steamy shower that we all have every day, hopefully, blow the hell out of your nose because it's good to clear stuff. It's better out yeah. than in. That's the first thing. Antihistamine are useful if you're prone to kind of allergies yeah. and people do get allergies from, okay. from smoke and from dust and from what have you that's another thing um, and if you are all congested and bunged up I am not a fan of things like I don't know if we're allowed to name these Sudafed. things No I'm not a fan of Sudafed or any of those things I'll tell you why because those things what they do is they work quite well in the short term for a day or two but then when you stop them they cause a rebound congestion Correct. and you're worse afterwards than you ever were beforehand yeah. so I'm not a fan I like saline nose sprays because they're good at flushing and I like topical uh, steroid nasal spray I can't even say it with a straight face I like topical steroid nasal sprays because they are good at stopping the inflammation and that's what you should do and if you do all that stuff and you still have troubles then go to see your GP Uh, but if what about if staying with this kind of stuff a 56 year old man blocked with flu he can't but he can't take the usual stuff because he can't take Sinutab because of blood pressure. Is that right? Well, here, well, sort of. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm not a fan of Sinutab either. I would say to him, saline nose spray, blow your ear nose in the steamy shower, um, use the topical steroid, uh, maybe take an antihistamine, and all of those are completely safe with your blood pressure, and all of those are completely safe with your blood pressure tablets. So I wouldn't have a problem. Like, it's only those very specific decongestants that interact, and I'm not a fan of them either uh, anyway. Yeah. So I have a question here. My doctor has given me three months to live. What should I do? Well, what you should do is you should blow your nose in the shower, use a topical steroid. Like, you're gas. You just give the same answer no matter what well, the question ho- is. No, hold your horse's hook, I mean, right? you, before, you, before you rubbish my reputation as a medic. Hold on a second. You asked me about four questions in a row about upper respiratory tracts and it's the treatment for upper respiratory tract oh, infections. Okay. If you, I would suggest if you have been given three months to live from no, your, from what your about doctor, the just don't pay fella. your bill is what but I what would suggest. What about the Sinutab fella? I don't like the decongestants. It's the same thing for him. He, Anybody with a sinusy thing should try an antihistamine, uh, a saline spray, blow uh, your nose and a topical steroid. Yeah, well, we have more agents than usual. Now, really? I must say this week. <laughs> We're yeah. attracting them. Now, He's in agony with a slip disc. Have you got that? I do, yeah. He yeah. is in agony, right? It's touching on a yeah, nerve. It's a very, you know very what it's like? Oh, no, it's very painful. It goes down the leg and all. He's on medication. Good. So He's he 54. Should. So he should be. 
And then, I walk three miles every day. How can he be in agony with a slip disc and walk three miles every day? I know no bitty, nobody who has that kind of pain to walk three miles a day. Do you know what, though? Here's the thing. Any I, advice? I actually do know a few people who ha- are crippled with lower back pain and they do walk. And they walk for two reasons. One is, they're in pain whether they sit, stand, lie or walk. Okay. First thing. So for a second thing, keep it in motion. And we do know that kind of movement is medicine for a lot of people. It's not the worst idea. And also, do you know what, George? Being, and I'm sure you will know this, being in chronic pain wrecks your head. I mean, it really it's gets awful. in on top of you. It's awful. So going for a long walk can actually be really? kind of therapeutic. What I would say is, clearly if he's in that much pain, he needs his pain managed better. Do you know what That's I mean? That's right. And there are medications, there, there are painkillers, there are anti-inflammatories, but there are also things that work on your nerves. Nerve management. But you have the king of the slip disc now, Ivan Yates. I mean, Ivan, like, is in pain all the time and, like, broadcasts standing up. And and lying down and crawling around the floor and everything, I know. And everything. Anyway. I would say, don't be in agony. Go into your doctor, say, look, this is the reality of my life. What can be done? And there's always something. And if your doctor or your GP doesn't know what to do or feels that that they've exhausted all their abilities to help you, what you do is you go to a pain management clinic or you go to a neurosurgeon or you go to a specialist. I've got a trick for you. Go on. Go to the seventh son of a seventh son. <laughs> and rub the hem of Mary Magdalene, is it? Yeah, down in Tipperary, they Fantastic usually stuff. That's the out. kind of top quality medical advice we give out around here. <laughs> what about doctor? Another question for Dr. Kelly. I get upset when they don't ask I know my you advice. do. I have tingling pins and needles down the right side of my head, neck, going into the shoulder. What is it? Do you know what that is? It's, it's probably not dissimilar to the guy with, with, with the low back pain. That sounds to me like this person has a trapped nerve in their yeah. neck. And you know the way if you look at somebody's spine, it's a series of, and I often think it's like that thing kids do, one potato, two potato, and they have like their, you know, put the fist over the fist. Your vertebra is like a ladder of bones. Um, So your spine is like that. And in between all of those, there are discs. And from out of the gaps between all of them come your nerves that come off your spinal cord. If one of those nerves is pinched by arthritis or by a slipped disc or for whatever reason, geez, the pain and the pins yeah. it can be crucified it can be really 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 painful for people very very bad so I think this person needs to have probably an MRI of their neck yeah. and then will need to be treated but there are these other guys they put you on the table right and then they press a button and the table like drops seven feet or something and hey presto you don't have pain in your neck anymore have you tried those your wits. have you tried those guys that reminds me of um, Bofelt with Doctor with James Bond you remember oh yeah <laughs> Do you, uh, you know, are you intending me to talk? No, I'm intending you to die, Mr. Bond. No, but there are fellas who drop you seven feet on the table thing. I forget what they're called. They're very good. Nutters, is it? Questions to 53106. Even if you're a nutter, we'll take them and attempt <laughs> to answer them. Especially if you're a nutter. <laughs> 53106 for your medical questions. Dad is on five megs of olanzapine. Mm. For paranoia. Doctor has told him stop taking him as he has hand tremors. Is that wise? He's had a bad reaction before, Siobhan says. Now, this is interesting. It's very interesting. And and I feel for Siobhan because I'd say Siobhan sent that in in pure fear going, this man is on an antipsychotic medication for paranoia. And when people are paranoid and psychotic, first of all, they're in terrible distress. But second of all, they're very difficult for families to see someone going through that and, and, and well, what about the whole, the hand, where does the hand tremor come in? The hand tremor may well come from the olanzapine. The olanzapine is a 
um, a, a, an antipsychotic medication and for some people there will be side effects from it. Including oh, 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 you're actually admitting that there can be side effects from drugs. All drugs that have a therapeutic effect, George, tend to have the Thank potential you. for side yeah, effects. Yeah, you, but you, those you, of us who understand their usage understand when the benefits outweigh the risks. And I'm telling you, leaving a man paranoid and I psychotic. Absolutely well, agree. exactly. Well, then. I'm with The you. man has some side effects and so the dose is being reduced, I presume, to 2.5 from the 5. But I understand exactly where Siobhan is because she's terrified that her dad is going to go back yeah. to where I, he is. I'm with you. I'm I would with suggest you. that what they could do is a halfway house kind of a thing. Maybe go five, 2.5 alternate nights. Do you know what I mean? Because you take it at night time. Um, and that way maybe ease the dose down slightly because, or even go, you can take, you know, instead of taking, excuse me, and um, there's 1.25s as well. You could take maybe 3.75 rather than go to 2.5. I know what she's saying. This man has obviously had a bad reaction before. In other words, he's gone psychotic and paranoid before okay. from a dose reduction. Um, it should be done slowly and it should be done carefully and then he should be watched very carefully Absolutely. For, for, for all their sake it's a very difficult and I, Siobhan, I, I'm not we, making any jokes about this topic. no no we, and we, do, and we do feel for you Siobhan yeah. because I'm sure no. you're very worried about your dad and yeah. about the whole family now I was stopped in the street by a lady with this question it didn't come in on 53106 you text your, your questions did you charge on her 30 cents it didn't charge <laughs> her 30 cents anyway it was a very interesting thing. She said to me, it was about her daughter. Um, she said they're giving her the flu vaccine. Good. Right? Right. Hold on now. Don't say this is you. You know how jumping. I love vaccines. Yeah. But she's pregnant. Yeah, yeah. I thought she said to me, when you're pregnant, you kind of forswear everything drink, cigarettes, aspirin, everything. Why? You have no idea, you lot. Mm-hmm. Have no idea. Of the effect of the flu vaccine on pregnant women. Okay. She said to me. Okay. Uh, do, to pass do, on do, to do, you. Do by you lot, do you mean doctors? doctors. Okay. okay. Just, just just checking or did you mean women or, no, or doctors, feminists doctors, or whatever? Because um, you use you lot for well, me Well, especially for feminist atheists. women. You know, doctors, you know yeah. you use you lot for a lot yeah. of things for me. Um, what I would say to you is this is the flu vaccine is recommended in pregnancy because A, yes, we do know the effects of it. And B, which, which which are that it's safe, and B is because unfortunately, George, women's immune systems are are quite uh, at a low ebb, if you like, during pregnancy, and every year some women will contract the flu who are pregnant. And some of those women, unfortunately, will get quite, quite unwell in a way that they wouldn't if they were not pregnant. In the same way an old person might get quite unwell with the flu. And what we have seen every winter in this country in our maternity hospitals is young fit, healthy, pregnant women in ICU with influenza at okay. death's door. And that is why we recommend the flu vaccine. Irrespective of any side effects of medical. Do you On understand the, the concept of benefit outweighing risk? Because we, we, we're going to have to go back over this again because the science supports the use of it. That's what I'm saying. In risk this, benefit. In the same way, I might say, Dr. Hook, it supports the use of the HPV vaccine. I refuse to go there. That's fine. What about the fella? I think it might be a fella. I have a severe pressure on top of my head due to anxiety. How does he How does he or she know that the head... Yeah, that's exactly pressure? what I thought too. Um, I'm getting very good at this. You are getting good at this. You and I could actually yeah. run a clinic together. In fact, yeah. maybe we well, should what about the, that? Take... How does this person know that the pressure on top of the head I is I presume anxiety? this person knows and, and may well know that they're anxious. So I, yeah. I presume this person feels anxious and also has a pain on the top of their head. And is it likely that the anxiety is causing the headache on the top of the head? Yeah, it could be. 
But here's the thing, the other things that could be causing it are things like they could have high blood pressure because their anxiety could be pushing their blood pressure up and that could be giving them pressure on top of the head. Or there could be something else that's causing anxiety and a pain in the head um, that we, you know, we don't want to be scaremongering and I know you think I do want to be scaremongering but I don't. I would suggest if you're having a constant pain and pressure on top of your head, go and get yourself checked. Go and get your blood pressure checked. Go and have a little neurological examination. Go and have a few things checked. It's okay. probably fine. But you know what, if your anxiety is the cause of it and it's so bad that you're now somatizing, getting all kinds of physical symptoms, symptoms from it, I would suggest that maybe your anxiety needs to be treated. Yeah, the only problem with this is, like, you casually sort of say, you know, get an MRI and get this and get that and get the other thing, as if you can go down to a Tlittle or Aldi and get one. thing is, you have to go to a hospital and say, come back in a year and a half and we'll do it, or it'll cost you five grand and we'll do it tomorrow. Well, Like, for, you can't actually just throw out, go off and get this when you can't actually go well, off well, and get Well, for a start, this. 50% of the population has health insurance and MRIs are covered for free under that. So, so that's 50% of our listeners. And the other 50% can't, and that's a terrible wrong, and I totally agree with you. And we don't even have access as GPs to public MRIs, even to put people on a two-year waiting list. We don't actually have access at all. Um, but they can still go and see the GP who may or may not be able to know if they need one. And they can certainly then be referred into an outpatient if they need okay. to for follow-up that way. It's now, slow and it's not right, but that I mean. Now, this last is all we time, have. last time you got this question, you recommended dialing nine nine nine, getting an ambulance, uh, and booking. You misrepresent me so consistently. So, I hope our listeners know li- that. Joey has a slight lump in his throat since Christmas when he was in Canada. The doctor in Canada said it was acid reflux. He's gone to a doctor here since he came back. It's lessened but not gone. Dial 99, order no. an ambulance? No. But ha- do we know how old Joey is? We don't, do we? No, no. no. Well, is it acid reflux? Well, well, no, in fairness, George, I don't know, and neither do you, and ni- neither does anybody. Um, but you didn't know when you told me dial 999, you, either. You have confabulated that go in anyway, mythologised that. Um, here's the thing. It may well be that it was acid reflux. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. We don't know, but you have this. Joey, you have a persistent difficulty in swallowing and that is an indication for what's called an OGD which is a camera down, an endoscopy and that's not 999, that's not anything but that is going to your GP and getting a referral you need to have it looked at and the simple thing is this and it's a good rule of thumb for everybody with anything wrong with them Lots of things are self-limiting. Lots of things, you know, reverse to the mean. So in other words, you get them and then they go away again and they, and they all kind of just go away of their own accord and all that. Anything that persists and is abnormal should be checked so that we know what it is. We don't know what's wrong with Joey. Okay. It could be acid reflux. An OGD will confirm whether or not right. it is. Okay, Joey, don't dial 999. Don't get an ambulance. Get an OGD. That, exactly. I wish I, I wish I got that advice when I rang up Dr. You never Nelly. rang me. You're now, <laughs> the final this. question. Help this mother, will you? How often should a baby get a cold? Our little one is six months old. She seems to be on a fourth cold. Okay. Possible? Yes? No? Absolutely possible. And you know who gets them in particular? And I'm not. we don't know about this baby, but our kids in creches. Kids in creches because they're like in a big Petri dish with all the other kids coughing and sneezing oh, and sputtering yeah. they get loads of colds but even if you're not in the petri dish of a creche um, children below school age so preschool children get on average about six respiratory tract infections per year that's basically one every two months and if they last for about a week you're talking oh. about one week and eight okay. that they're like so that so calm down mum it's okay uh, yeah it's fine but but you know what go and get them checked if you're worried we, don't, we can't reassure people enough on the radio to know really what's going on but do children get but lots it, of it sniffles and coughs but it is a fact that mothers totally. worry about children absolutely sure we yeah. all do yeah 
Even I do. Even I do. All right, 53106, the number for your health questions on the Hook Health Checkup with Dr. Kerry Kelly. We've been telephoned by the 999 service. We've been inundated with calls uh, with acid reflux.